check, make a little money, pay some bills. Yo, this week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And on a wing and a prayer, we'll actually respond or reply here on this very show. Damian Dunn is my co-host of the program, and he joins us now from Studio North in northern Indiana, the mecca of the north part of Indiana. Hello, Dame. Hey, Pete. Oh, it's good to be with you, Dame. This week, here's what we're tackling. Number one, we have an inheritance question we're going to start out with. Segment two, a budgeting question. Segment three, a dad who's not paid taxes in a number of years. Oh my gosh, what do I do question? And then the fourth segment, of course, is biggest waste of money of the week and the news. Dame, from time to time, a good dear friend will call me on my mobile device. And I think, why is this thing vibrating? I'm just watching YouTube videos. And I remember it's a communications device. And I answer the phone and I say, it's Pedro. And Dame, this week, the question from a dear friend was, hey, my grandma died and left me $15,000. And I have a little bit of debt on a home equity line. Um, and I have another financial goal that involves a purchase. What should I do? And by the way, you know, come to think of it, I could probably use a new car and that's the way I'm leaning. So Dame, this person of course calls me because they want my guidance. But sometimes when that happens, and I think it happens to you too amongst your close friends, I think they want your blessing to do whatever it is they want to do. And they really don't want the hard truth. So I always have to reset them. And Dame, in this circumstance, what are the chances that you think that I said, yeah, just go ahead and get the car. Uh, is there a choice less than zero? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I don't believe there is. Okay. I don't think there's any way that you suggested to use that cash for a new car. Let me see if I can give you some, um, let me see if I can give you some numbers here, if it, if it at all helps you. Uh, the people owed $19,000 on a home equity line. Okay. The inheritance was 15,000, but I said, Hey, you're probably going to put at least $3,000 back for taxes. So you're netting around $12,000. Okay. Are you good with that? What state do they live in? Uh, central Indiana. The, why would they pay taxes on inheritance? Um, because it's a brokerage account. Do you not get a brokerage account? Uh, no, they get step up in basis. They may have a little bit of tax by the time it comes around to get sold, but they, it, it'll be a virtual wash probably depending on when they inherited it and when the, the date of death was. So they just made $3,000. Fantastic. Why, maybe they should call you. I, uh, so anyway, uh, so anyway, $19,000 on this home equity line. They have a home remodel project that they want to do that will cost an additional $12,000. Or again, they could just trade in their car, take the $12,000 and buy a car. And it's interesting, right? Because if they wipe out the home equity loan down to what we'll call a $4,000 balance, and they still have to do this other home improvement project of $12,000, that still nets them back up to what, $16,000 mm -hmm. in the hole. So the car is completely out. That makes no sense whatsoever. But how would you handle that? Would you pay off the home equity line or just pay cash on the remodel? Can I ask a question that probably doesn't matter a whole lot? That's all I ever do. Um, how are they feeling about employment? 
Are, are they solid there? Are I mean, they great they, question. Do they have an emergency fund? Where Where are they at? Uh, give me some details, Pedro. Uh, amazing question. Thank you for asking that. Very solid financial life. Okay. Very solid. So much so that the home equity line is a little bit of a stunner, right? Yeah. Um, and employment is not only good, the person's getting a raise and they are getting a bonus. Oh, okay. So more money's on the, on the way. Interesting. All right. So my inclination would be to take care of the home equity loan. However, that additional repair is kind of throwing the wrench in the works, right? So yeah. did you tell me how much the, they thought the, the new uh, renovation or, or repair was going to be? It's going to be 12000 Okay. So I think it's just a wash there. And you save yourself some headaches, pay for the renovation with the cash you got on hand, use the bonus that's coming in, identify the goal that you want before you get that sweet cash in your hand, and use that in a responsible way once you get that. Would you be shocked to learn that I said that exact same thing? Not at all. And, and so much so that the raise is coming, a pretty significant raise that I said use the bonus to jumpstart paying down the HELOC and then use the raise, the change of your income to finish the job over an eight month period. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's a, a very responsible answer, Peter. Can we go back to the fact how when people get an inheritance and the how they feel about the relative amount because sometimes when you hear inheritance, Dame, I think most people go to hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or, but sometimes what, what I found is if it's ten thousand or twenty five thousand, for some reason it seems more spendable. It seems more mm-hmm. uh, frivolous. It's like, oh well, we could just enhance what we have going on. Why is that? Uh, it's a fair question. I I think you're exactly right, though. If it's a, a- relatively small number by comparison sake to what we often assume an inheritance really means, you know, the, the lottery ticket inheritance that some great uncle leaves us. Um, when you, when you hear of an inheritance of five, 10, $15,000, it almost seems inconsequential comparison compared to what you think you, you might get in, in an inheritance. So it's, Eh, it's no big deal. We'll uh, go out to some nice dinners and we'll take a vacation and, uh, you know, put a down payment on a, a new sports car or whatever. I, I don't know, but it's for whatever reason baked into our psychology that smaller amounts of money are easier to dismiss and use frivolously than larger amounts of money. See, I, I think there's another example of that too, is sometimes you'll ask people, well, what would you do with $10,000 if you had it today? And they'll give you this, this huge answer. And then you say, well, what would you do with another $833 a month? And they'll give you a completely different answer. And what they don't realize is that 833 becomes $10,000 and it really should be the same answer. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never received an inheritance. Um, I want to say thankfully, meaning people really close to me haven't necessarily passed away, but also those people who have didn't think enough about me to leave me any money. Um, and this sounds really judgmental and and we actually do try to stay away from judgmental on this show. Uh, we like to be more observational. Anecdotally, I'll notice of the people that I've served in the financial advisory capacity in my career, you get a lot of, 
well, grandpa would have wanted us to take the family on a vacation or, you know, grandma would have wanted us to, to get a garden tub in our master bath. And it's like, I don't know. I think grandma would rather be here. I mean, if we're really getting into wants and desires, you know, like, don't you think grandma would want, I mean, maybe not the year 2020, but how, how often do you think this projection of, well, uncle Steve would have wanted me to get those hair plugs. How much does that come into play? A lot. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to be really transparent for a minute. Lost my dad uh, a number of years ago. Now I did it. I, I, same conversation. Now it was a very small portion of what the inheritance was, but there was a, uh, you know what? You go spend this much money on whatever you want. I'm going to spend this much money on whatever you want. And it's almost a coping uh, to help you cope with, with the issue. So you can run into big problems if you don't have a little bit of restraint on that. But if it's done in moderation, um, I guess I'm okay with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But, and I think that gets to the point of when it's 15,000 bucks or $25,000, you can do it in one fell swoop and you can really cause yourself some problems. So Dames, let's do this. By the way, thank you for transparency. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about budgeting, I think is the question we have from a listener. Uh, so we'll do that next on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Beat the win. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, answering your money questions. Dame, we got an email this week from a person named Eileen. Come on, Eileen. I got it. I got it. I know it's a great song, though. Do you remember who sang it? Dixie Midnight Riders. Dixie and the Midnight Runners. <laughs> um, you want to hear a story? Uh, yeah. So my senior year of high school, I was the public address announcer for the baseball team. Mm. And so I, I have to tell you, that just means you're supposed to say up next for the bike Red Devils, Nate Dunleavy, Dunleavy. That's all you're supposed to say. Dame, I took it upon myself to make this a play by play gig. That was being broadcast during the game, which was both entertaining and led to just a couple trips to the principal's office. And I used to play Come On Eileen between innings. And uh, one of the times I got in trouble, there were one of the young, cool teachers at Pike High School back in the day was a guy named Dave Bachinski. All right, Dave Bachinski. And he was a baseball coach. He was the assistant baseball coach. And so I said, uh, during innings, I said, uh, next Thursday is Polish teacher appreciation night. First hundred fans get a signed picture of Dave Bachensky. <laughs> and I, um, I got in trouble. Anyway, this is a radio show. I just remembered. Okay. Uh, good day, Pete Squared. I have a budget question. You often talk about this process, and I completely agree with your sentiment that the easiest way to do this is to fund all of your goals and savings up front and just spend what is left. By the way, that is my method. Uh, Where I struggle is how to know what is actually left. It sounds so easy, but we no longer live in a cash society. Really good point. In the old days, you would just cash your check, pay your bills, and put the leftover cash in your pocket. It's very easy to know when you're out of money because there's no more cash. When you use your credit card as your payment system or debit cards, how do you actually know when you're out of money unless you track every item and every expenditure to monitor the total? Really good question. Uh, We use credit cards and pay them off at the end of each month. 
we spend some random cash and maybe even a check or two a month. I would love an easy solution to do this. I am the nerd in my household. and My husband just cannot wrap his male head around. She didn't say male. I added it uh, around tracking his expenditures. He constantly forgets. What say you, Linda? Oh, that's not from Eileen. That's from Linda. Uh, so I told that story for nothing. Yeah, well, we all benefited. Uh, okay, so Dame, we're, we're, uh, I have an answer, but let's go Hollywood Square style. What's your answer first? Linda needs to stop using credit cards. Well, there we go. I, right? All right, so thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week right here. No, I, you could set up a separate account, a separate checking account for spending only. There's just the, the normal everyday purchases that you're not going to be making uh, online or you know paying the bills online, whatever it is. And use that debit card that's associated with that account. If you wonder how much money you've got left in the account, pull up the app on your phone or check online. Figure out how much you've got left in there. But if you know that that money is being transferred in there on a monthly basis or whatever it is, you just keep watching that till it gets down to zero or hopefully not zero, but you know, down there a little ways. And you know when to stop. I think that's an easier way to keep track of that money because I can see Linda's point. It is very difficult to know uh, when you are out of money for that month, when you've got uh, all sorts of transactions coming in and out, and especially if you're using cards that aren't linked like a credit card to that. Um, So I, I think that's a potential solution here. So let me say why I don't like the pay it off at the end of the month method. Now, look, if you happen to have debt, I would do want you to pay it off at the end of the month. But here's why I don't like the credit card method of doing that. I think because of people's credit limits, that their universe of available capital grows to an unnatural number. And so your decision is rarely based on what is in your checking account. It's based on the credit limit. It's based on past habits. And it's not actually based on reality. So in essence, by saying, hey, we use our credit card, but we always make sure to pay it off at the end of each month. Dame, what a person is actually doing is they're writing themselves a blank check out of um, good intention, right? It's like, oh, we're not going to carry debt, but, but there's no discipline there. Now, some people can sort of feel it out, but like Linda, our emailer, not Eileen, but Linda, I think that's their challenge. And I would also suggest the the way that Mrs. Planner and I are able to pull off our lazy person budget, which is fund all of our goals to completion, refuse to use a credit card, and then spend whatever on whatever. The way we're able to pull that off is we have separate checking accounts. So there's no tracking of who spent what on this or that. Uh, it is both our money, but I never spend out of the one that she maintains and she doesn't spend out of the one I maintain. So much so that sometimes if we're dealing with a grocery situation, the groceries come out of my account. I I say my with air quotes because it is also hers. We just know that certain accounts are used for certain expenditures Mm -hmm. and that helps do the job as well. What do you think about the possibility of, uh, let's say you use a credit card for whatever reason, miles or whatever, whatever reason you've, you've talked yourself into for using the credit card. What if you pay it off weekly? instead of monthly. It's interesting. I, I, th- I think it's worth experimentation, which brings an interesting, an, an, another point here, Dame, what works for me 
may not work for you and what works for you. I mean, look, you and I are, are pretty, sim- we have a pretty similar sensibility and we agree on many, 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 many things. I'm guessing how I run my money and you run your money. They, they're not necessarily compatible if we were to switch. No, we, uh, uh, my wife and I use a unified joint b- bank checking account. That's a lot of words for just unified, a, a, a joint, unified bank joint. Yeah, it's a special one. <laughs> Thank uh, you for calling my cellular phone voice mailbox. If you would, Thanks. Uh, yeah, no, it's uh, different than how you guys run yours, but it works for us and uh, that's okay. I had a, a manager back in the day when I worked for a particular company and he would, that was his vo- outgoing voicemail. You've reached so-and-so's cellular phone voicemail box. He was, he was a great dude. And when he would tell jokes at company meetings, this is when overhead projectors were a thing. He would have the the joke set up on a slide, and then he would have the the punchline covered with a with a piece of paper, and he would say, "Why did the chicken cross the road?" And he had a voice like this, "Why did the chicken cross the road?" And then he'd pull the paper down, and he'd go, and he'd say, "Punchline to get to the other side." <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was amazing. Anyway, Linda. You got to look, we can't tell you how to fix it, but we know you're going to have to tinker with it. You're going to probably either stop using your credit card to do it that way or abandon the fact that you're going to be able to spend whatever you want, because I don't think those two ideas are compatible. I also would not go separate accounts unless you stop using the credit card, because I think it could make it even worse. Uh, And and because it works for, uh, I think what works ultimately for, for me and Mrs. Planner Dame is the fact that we refuse to swipe the credit card. And because that takes out the larger spendable universe of a credit limit. I'd, I may try paying off credit card weekly, actually, just to see how that goes for a little while, just to tinker with it and see if that impacts decisions. You know, Tracy is watching along at Facebook Live where we record, actually, we broadcast the show every Friday at noon Eastern. And she says, uh, paying it off uh, every once a week works for me, and she likes the points. So, Dame, there you go. You have got one disciple in the Damien Dunn money cult. It's because Tracy is very reasonable and a, a very intelligent person. Didn't we say we were going to have a new segment on the show sometime soon called Good Done, Bad Done? Didn't yes. we say that yesterday? Yes. Yeah. We don't know what it's going to be, yeah. uh, but I, I like the name of Good Done, Bad Done, and it's quite obvious that I'm bad done. And whatever you say would be good done. Obviously. All right. Coming up after the break, a really interesting question about a guy's dad who's not paid taxes in a number of years. What's he going to do? Well, you will find out next. I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show, answering your money questions. You know, Sometimes we don't get questions and it's like, well, everything in the world must be going fine. So I just tell stories about high school baseball games. But this week we have some questions. Dame, this one is from Dylan. Good day, Pete and Dame. I'm a huge fan of the show and I've had a few of my emails answered by none other than the great Pete the Planner. He really did or uh, write that. I feel that my fiance and I, you know, once someone starts throwing fiance out they say it all the time. And were you a big fiance guy when you were uh, engaged? Here's what you know about me, Dame. I I can get obnoxious. Oh yeah. <laughs> so probably. <laughs> uh, um. 
I really wish we knew each other when we were in our early 20s because I was I was a little different back then. I mean, it was still obnoxious. Uh, I wasn't as curmudgeonly as I am now, but I'm pretty sure I said fiance a lot. I don't think you did. I don't think I did. All I know is that when I was uh, a freshman in college, somebody told me that I was uh, a 40 year old in an 18 year old's body. Yeah, no, Sarah likes to say, oh, sorry, Mrs. Planner likes to say that I'm a 65-year-old in a 55-year-old's body for a 42-year-old, which is insulting. Anyway, uh, my fiance and I are in a good place with our finances, but I'm a bit worried about my parents. Long story short, my parents haven't filed taxes since 2015 AD. I added the AD. And now we'll owe quite a bit of money, I'm assuming. My dad is the sole provider and has made between sixty dollars to $85,000 per year, paying practically no taxes. My dad said he's still waiting for a letter in the mail from the state and IRS to know the balance due. I have a degree in finance, so my dad asked me if taking a 401k loan to pay off the IRS debt would be a good idea. My initial thought, as always, was taking out retirement money was no. My dad is 52 and would like to retire by 62. However, I know he has $50,000 or less in his 401k. Luckily, he does have a pension that will throw off some income when he does decide to retire, but I really don't think 62 is going to happen. With all of that being said, is the best plan of action to just set up a payment plan with the IRS or is the one scenario where taking money from retirement really worth it? Last bit of info is that my parents have the ability to swing monthly payments but only have $2,000 in cash and a so-called emergency fund with no other liquid assets. Thank you so much for what you do. Dude. All right. Yeah. Can I can I whittle some thoughts out first that I just want to think about here because I think it could help our answer maybe. What are the chances that he's actually paid taxes, he just hasn't filed a tax return? Because if he has a 401k, then it's likely his employer has withheld it. And so the government's getting those taxes I think he'll just be penalized for not settling up at uh, best case scenario. Yeah, I, I think it's very possible that, you know, payroll tax has been being remitted the, the whole time for sure. However, he hasn't filed. And there, what a lot of people don't realize is that you can be penalized for two different ways. You can be penalized for not paying your taxes, but you can be penalized for not filing your taxes as well. So even if you can't pay your taxes when tax time comes, Go ahead and file the taxes because that cuts down on some more money that you'll potentially owe in the future as well. I'd like to say this is unusual. It's not. It's not. I mean, I, we see this a lot. And again, our job, Dame, you and I's job is not to judge people. It's to help them find a solution, right? I think sometimes when you get a financial expert, like someone on your team involved, it, there's this feeling from the party that's calling or emailing that they're going to be r- ridiculed or criticized. Uh, dude, we don't have time for that. Like blame is is not a helpful situation. Now, do we want the people to change their behaviors that led to the current situation? You bet your bald head we do. Uh, that seemed a little on the nose, didn't yeah, it? Well, it's all right. It's true. Um, it takes one to know one. But I, I think in this situation, there's two things that could possibly be going on. One, which is my hope that he has actually been paying. He just hasn't been filing or he's now in a different role. And that is an old 401k, which is means a dormant 401k. And he would just be pulling from that. I think that's the less likely scenario, but it's possible. 
it is worth noting because of the CARES Act and, and the coronavirus, he could withdraw that money penalty free and still have a tax obligation associated with it. But Dame, I don't, I don't know if if that's the solution. What do you what do you think the best uh, course of action is? I think he needs to set up an appointment with a local IRS office and go in and sit down and start having this out. Don't wait on the uh, the letter to come in the mail that he might secretly be hoping never happens, never comes. But go take charge of this, sit down and figure out what needs to happen because the longer this goes on, well, certainly not going to get better. It could only get worse from here because if you do actually owe the taxes, you're going to be hit with a really nasty surprise as that continues to compound. Yeah. I, I, uh, I also think this person should definitely get a CPA or at least a tax accountant involved to, to do some figuring on the back end. I know sometimes if you go to the right tax advisor, they can catch you up, so to speak, and be proactive. I think to your point, waiting to see what happens becomes I think the IRS actually, because it is based on precedent law, right? I mean, most tax code is based on precedent law, is this idea that it's not if you can get away with it because someone else did, then you're fine. That's not the point. It's saying I'm making my best effort to file these taxes with the best of my knowledge and ability to do so in a, in a calculated way. And here you go. Now, it's it's hard to actually talk about people filing taxes without bringing up the, the tax news that was early in this week uh, on a national level. However, we're not going to do that because only 10,000 things have happened in the public space since then. And I barely even remember what that whole thing was about. But yeah, Dame, this is tough. And I, I have to say right now, there are people listening to our program who are actually personally in the same boat. And one, th- there's actually a lot of issues going on with it. Number one, you, you, you're risking a lot. You're, you're risking stability. Number two, you're living with an unnecessary amount of anxiety on a daily basis that this is going to turn on you. And that just gets worse and worse and worse as the days tick on. And we highly recommend you rip that Band-Aid off and just fess up. And I don't even think it's about getting your tax obligations, you know, uh, wiped away. I, I don't even think this is about tax settlement. Although I know a lot of people would take this conversation that way. It's not even about tax amnesty. It, it is literally about clearing the risks from your future by taking care of business now. If you've got an unknown liability hanging over your head, it's virtually impossible to plan for your future, at least effectively. So if you can figure that out, that you know you have five years of payments to try and get square, then you can start planning around that. But if you are getting into retirement, if he said he's 52, wants to retire by 62, which doesn't really sound reasonable, you can't drag this out. It needs to be resolved in one way or another to try and make sure that you are going to have a shot at retiring when you want to retire, because you don't want to deal with this when your income is fixed in retirement. From our Facebook live stream that's going on right now, noon on Friday, Eastern uh, on Facebook, on the Pete the Planner page, Levi suggests the biggest thing is this doesn't solve itself. Boy, are you right. Most financial problems actually don't. Um, 
I, I always, when I, when I was writing early in my career, 2005, 2006, you know, you try to come up with little cute phrases to help people understand financial concepts. And I thought they were much more clever at the time than they actually are in, 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 in actuality. Dame, I always used to think like collections debts aren't like little brothers. You can't just ignore them and expect them to go away. And I remember, you know, writing around that time. This is one of those things too. You cannot ignore a tax debt. You cannot ignore a collection debt thinking that, oh, well, they haven't bothered me in four years. It's okay. This guy's not paid his taxes since, or pardon me, has not filed a tax return since 2015. These problems don't go away. They get worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Get it handled, man. Uh, Just bite the bullet. Go do it. I guess we should, we need to say, I would not use the 401k to pay this off. No, no, no. All right, coming up after the break, more of the Pete the Planner Show. Biggest waste of money of the week and the news. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner Show is, you know, from time to time, Dame, I do let people know that there's a good use of money. Like there are, there are actual good uses of money. And, and this week, I want to highlight one of those good uses of money, and I'm going to do it right now. Dame, earlier this week, we had an in-person exec retreat uh, for our entire executive team in masks at our headquarters. I call it a retreat because typically we take a retreat away from the office, but since none of us have been to the office in six months, we actually went to the office, sat far apart. And Damien, you did something really interesting as you greeted us all. You A, said hello, which is not that interesting. It's just cordial. And speaking of cordials, you also gave everyone a box of DeBrand chocolates. For those that don't know, DeBrand chocolates are amongst the finest chocolates a person can purchase and hand to another person for the placement of the gift into their hole in their face. And Dame, I have to say, every time I have DeBrand chocolates, this is not a paid endorsement, by the way. They're unbelievable. They're from Fort Wayne. If you want them, go to debrand.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-N-D.com. Truly one of the most delicious things on the planet is Debrand chocolates. And so Dame, as we try to support small businesses and the holiday gift giving season is upon us, please go to debrand.com and make people happy the way you made me happy last night when I place something in my mouth. You are very welcome. And I think if you are in central Indiana, I believe there might be a brand in the Keystone area. So there go to the go. website, check it out. Florida woman, what more do I need to say? Florida woman forced to forfeit lotto prize after the USPS loses their ticket. A Florida woman says she was forced to forfeit her lotto prize after the US Postal Service lost her winning ticket in the mail. Sue Burgess of Hernando County said she was thrilled to discover earlier this summer that she had snagged, that's an interesting verb in a newspaper column, $1,000 in the state's second chance lottery game. I was elated. I was like winning a million dollars to me, Burgess told the outlet. I was going to say Burgess, who's bad at math because a thousand. But at the time, she couldn't claim the winnings at any local lottery offices because they were closed due to the pandemic. So she followed the state's lottery instructions and went to the post office to send her ticket via certified mail, the outlet reported. Burgess said the ticket, however, never made it to the lottery office in the one-week time frame required to claim the prize. Her tracking information last showed the ticket in transit on August 12th at a Tallahassee post office. 
They said they had not received the ticket. And so she was out of luck. So Dame, you told me there is actually a resolution to this story that was not in the New York Post article. No, they actually uh, paid out the the ticket. Uh, I don't know if they accepted the ticket after the fa- after the uh, the time deadline or not. But I saw a update this morning that Sue has got her thousand dollars. Good for her. Yeah, you know, I mean, a Dame- thousand thousand dollar lottery ticket is something, man. Do you have thoughts on the lottery, Dame? Um. You sure, I do. Do you want to share them or not? I don't really. I know I'm. I, I mean, look. Here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll let you off the hook. Obviously, I don't like the lottery. Like I, I just don't. Right. I mean, there's it's just a zero percent chance I like the lottery. But here's where I struggle. No, I don't. I just don't like it. That's <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, Dame. So I, I have I have some stimulus plan predictions. Oh. Okay. So. Couple, I don't know where we last were. A few weeks ago, I feel like that ship had sailed. There was going to be no stimulus before the election, at least, as it relates to direct payments to Americans. Then I saw us get back on track. Uh, Nancy Pelosi was meeting with Steve Mnuchin, and and, and the different parties were talking. Uh, reportedly, the Democrats came – well, no, reportedly, they did. They, they came lower on a stimulus bill, voted on it, just passed it on Thursday of this week, barely. Uh, it was I think it was a two point trillion dollar stimulus bill, I think. And then reportedly, uh, what ended up happening was that the president instructed Steve Mnuchin to come up from the one trillion dollars that the GOP had already said that was their ceiling. So that's where we were. Okay, and so I, I thought a deal was likely. New prediction. In light of whatever fears come from president Trump and and the first lady testing positive for coronavirus, I I honestly believe in order to instill confidence, call it a distraction if you want, but I don't think it's a distraction. I I think a deal will get done if not today, but Monday or Tuesday of uh, October 5th and 6th. Interesting. Yeah. I think sometimes people don't understand how bad the financial crisis is, even when they have all the data, because they're not personally hurting. And and this is this is not judgmental to whether I agree with President Trump or not. I just think that I think that's natural unless unless you're hurting. You don't get it. And I think this hurt that is currently going on is going to get a deal in place, because I think people really were scared this morning when this all went down. Really? You think so? That's my opinion. Hmm. Do you I, think it, people are scared by the president testing positive for coronavirus? And I don't want to get into the whether he deserved it or not. I, I don't really care about any of that. I, I think it's I think it's terrible when anyone gets it. No, I, I, I the majority of people I don't think are concerned one way or the other. I, I'm not using Twitter as my barometer either. Thank that's, goodness. That's a good idea. You really shouldn't. So here's the good news. If they do get a deal passed, it'll just breeze through the Senate because there's nothing going on there. <laughs> that's a good point i also have to mention though that the fact that so many airline workers were officially f- laid off yesterday uh which we recorded the show on october 2nd so that was october 1st and then disney laid off their twenty-eight thousand people late last week i think that does put additional 
pressure to get a deal done because American Airlines reportedly said they would bring back the workers they laid off if a bill is passed soon to provide more relief to the travel industry. There are big time benefits that could fall together if we do get a bill passed for sure, not only just for the individual family basis, but for the the larger economy as a whole. So I yeah, I, it's hard to see how something doesn't come together just for all the reasons you've said already. And plus, it'd be a nice little boost. I know. I, I think I think it's going to happen. I, I just really do. And, and the reason that that it might take longer than I want it to is because as restaurants start to struggle more and more due to weather, Mm -hmm. the fall weather, the cold, when numbers come down and not that the restaurant lobby has a giant lobby. And I don't mean that in terms of a physical space. I mean, the ability to hire uh, attorneys to convince lawmakers that there's a problem because the restaurant lobby has proven to be not effective thus far during this recession and pandemic to get support for restaurants. But man, I, I, I think unless there's stimulus in the, in the coming three, four weeks, this thing gets a lot worse because of, of restaurants alone. And I hope they're in the next bill. Somebody needs to start developing open air meeting spaces mm -hmm. and, and whatnot, just so you can have year round meetings in all sorts of uh, climates and tempers. So. You know, that's a really good point, man, because, you know, even at our exec retreat that was indoors yesterday, we spread four people across a very big room with masks on. And, and it felt like a, that's the capacity we could actually handle. There's zero chance we could bring our entire team into the space that we enjoyed for so long, even to have a meeting. So we've been meeting outside. That That is really interesting. Outdoor meeting spaces as a business model. You wonder if people currently not using spaces, other businesses, even restaurants that have outdoor seating could open that up in some capacity and serve. Because that's a really interesting idea, Dan. Yeah, two levels of uh, range at Top Golf, and the third level is nothing but meeting spaces. What would you call that? I mean, can you do you have like a like a really witty name that you'd come up like uh, Top Office or, or sure. uh, no, the C Suite, and it's spelled S E E because then you can see everyone's see golf yeah. shots. Yeah. That's it. Dame, thanks for being on the show this week. Thank you more than anything for the DeBrand chocolates you brought me this week. DeBrand.com, DeBrand.com. Sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. Dame's budget has chocolate, but mine just has good vibes. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. I'm Pete the Planner.